Uh, you were telling me before we got on air that you do a lot of different jobs yes. up at the ranch. Which ranch is it? Well, we own Houlihan Ranch, which is in Sheridan, Wyoming. And um, I'm responsible for taking care of all of our horses. And uh, we have three stallions that we manage. And Candace Car Carden from um, Powder River Vet handles them. So we breed them in the summertime. And I take them to the vet. She collects them. I bring them home, turn them out. So, <laughs> And then I have a lot of other jobs that I take care of the ranch, you know, ranching duties, feeding horses. Now, Brandeman, Buck Brandeman Clinics, yeah. uh, a lot to do with horses. What exactly is a Buck Brandeman Clinic? So Buck has been doing clinics since 1986, and um, he goes around the whole country doing uh, colt starting and horsemanship clinics. So basically what he does is he teaches people how to teach their horses and uh, the cult starting, and we take two-year-olds, and we have people. We have a select group of people that come to help start the cults. People um, register to have their cults started, and then we have people that are um, good at what cult starting. They come and ride the horses. So it's a really um, fun time. We have last year we had 45 cults in the clinic, and it was you know they have like 20 in each class and um, everybody works their horses on the ground first gets them prepared to be saddled and then um, they work them on the ground buck does a whole process with the colts um, making them transition do transitions from the walk trot lope stopping and then they and we teach the people to do groundwork so it's very vital to do groundwork with horses to get them prepared to be ridden so then everybody they get on the horses they uh, we put them in a round pen and there's six at a time usually get on the horse the colts and then they buck moves them around with a flag and um, gets them to walk trot and canter with the person on it and then then they go outside of the round pen in the big we have a big arena and they do their exercises bringing um, all sorts of different uh, maneuvers to keep keep the horses from you know the, you just get the horses to understand the release of pressure so you put pressure on the horse and then when they respond properly you release the pressure and that is how the horse learns and it's amazing to watch how the colts go from you know you just think oh man it's a rodeo and then <laughs> then they turn out to be really calm you know horses that people can actually enjoy so yeah yeah, yeah my father broke a couple wild horses yeah. when i was younger now i myself I've never taken part in that, but yeah. uh, I, I stood off to the sidelines yeah. and watched a lot of work getting done. It's changed a lot. The r Tom Dorrance is the father of the um, new method, basically. It's you know kind of natural horsemanship. I don't really like to call it that because it's just horsemanship. But Tom Dorrance, Ray Hunt, Ray Hunt was Buck's mentor, and he learned from, because they all did it that way. They all did it a different way yeah. a long time ago, how they started horses. And once that became um, the Ray Hunt method, I mean, a lot of people know how to do it now. So it's, you know, basically worldwide with horses to um, to get them to be in our world. Yeah. You know, we expect them to be with us. And horses are, you know, they can be dangerous animals. You have to be really careful and smart. You have to be real smart around them. You can't just let your guard down. They can be so wily. They can be I, wily. They can be wily. Yes. Uh, you know, the old... Uh... <laughs> Side-eye stare from oh, yeah. a horse. Um, oh, yeah. You're really watching for that. How how close are they paying attention to you? Well, and you know, they're they're prey animals, so they're always 
on guard. Yeah. So if something scares them from behind and you're in front of them, you better be aware of what's happening because they, the, since their eyes are on the side of their head, they look up this way and then, then they'll, leave, you know, they'll leave and if you're right in front of them, they'll run you over if you're oh, not yeah. careful. But so it's, it's a, I think it's a lifelong process to learn how to really be around horses. I mean, it's, you know, you just have to be really careful. And um, Buck starts them so that you can get the idea of how to always um, use the groundwork to keep yourself safe. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's pretty amazing to watch. And it's not just a bunch of cowboys running out there, jumping on a horse no, and, no. And, and praying no, and no, hanging no, on. No, I no. mean, that's completely different than what Hollywood really kind of perceives oh, yeah. a lot of this to be. And horses are amazing animals. You know, they can they can make you feel pretty special and they can help people get through things that they you know a crisis of some sort it helps them a horse will help you get through that and i'm not sure why that is but it's the psychology of it it's pretty amazing you know because they use them to help um oh yeah equine therapy yep yeah it's amazing yeah and that has come really far in in the past decade uh you know i've i've serve with individuals who've, who've gone over here mm -hmm. to chaps mm -hmm. and yes. uh it, it's done a world of good for them yeah we did a fundraiser for chaps in the very beginning uh, buck the film um cindy meal who was from um connecticut that did the film we we, we premiered the film here and all the proceeds went to chaps so it was really fun to uh, be a part of that so and buck has gone to a lot of different areas and and helped um, put on demonstrations for um, uh, different communities that have like a Shaps program. Yeah. So it's it's really uh, amazing. It really is amazing. You so. know, if you're not convinced, all it takes is just yep. one one session being out there with mm -hmm. uh, some individuals to see it really take effect, yep. and uh, it that'll make you, you know, testify to its its greatness. Will and Buck came from a. Um, difficult situation in his childhood so and the horses got him through it in his oh, wow. in his life i mean he is you know uh, overcome a lot of childhood trauma and he he has gotten i mean he's so dedicated to the horse it's quite amazing to me i mean my father was raised on a very small uh cattle ranch or a milk mm -hmm. farm really mm -hmm. more than anything else out in nebraska and that's the one thing dad has always had, mm -hmm. you know, uh, was a horse. Yep. And and dad is probably closer to his horses than most people are with their dogs. <laughs> uh, he can he takes them everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere That's cool. with him. That's very nice. To hear. I don't think I don't think that old boy goes a day without going out yeah. and seeing his horses yeah. and maybe doing a bareback ride or whatever you know that's and nice to hear he's he's pretty amazing oh boy yeah. Yeah. um it well and they are a huge part of his his work now he's a range writer so he oh wow they're everything for him yeah yeah 77 years old and that's... he prefers to be up in the mountains by himself wow it's pretty impressive he wow. believes that retirement is nothing more than a, a death sentence so he refuses to do it he refuses to do it now who is uh in a Say this name for Mesa. me. It's Mesa. Mesa. Mesa, Mesa Hagel. Hagel. So Mesa Hagel is the granddaughter of Bob and Lee Douglas, who are 
they have been in the, in in Sheridan. He was a saddle maker and a cattle rancher, and he sold horses to the dude people and the ranchers. And um, Lee is a, his the grandmother is a spear. But Sarah and um, her and Mesa. Sarah is her mother. Sarah is a gear maker as well. She makes beautiful saddles, beautiful everything, and she she learned how to twist hair ropes. Oh and wow! So, um, and that's how we got to know them. And um, Sarah. Uh, has a daughter, Mesa, and Mesa suffered a um, arterial tear in her midbrain in September. She's 25 years old, and you know that just came out of nowhere. And so she um, had emergency surgery in Billings, and now she's in a, um, a rehab center in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. So there, you know, the the cost of this is um, large. So yeah. there, we're having a fundraiser for her. And um, as Wolfgang Fay and um, Fritz Riedel have put together a saddle that is just amazing, amazingly beautiful. Uh, Wolfgang Fay did all of the tooling on it, and Fritz Riedel put it together. And then they brought it to the Sheridan Leather Show to show it. And they're they're going to auction it off at King's in July to and give the proceeds to Sarah's. Um, you know, uh, ongoing expenses. How so, fun! And, yeah. and and everyone, there's um, eight. I was gonna. Th- there's eight silversmiths that have worked on this. Oh so wow! Every one of the conchos is done by a different silversmith, and some of them are the traditional cowboy artists of America. Some of them are just people that are actual, very good silversmiths. So every concho is done by a different silversmith. So this saddle is going to be a once in a lifetime piece of equipment to own so hopefully we can get a lot of people to um, bid on it and it'll be uh, an amazing saddle to own so. I mean, yeah this sounds like a, a major collaboration oh, yeah. from some of the you know the greats of our day yeah. uh, now you say that uh, these two individuals are actually from Germany Germany yep they're they are friends with the Hegel family and so they when they heard of what happened, they decided to get together and make this saddle for Mesa and um, auction it off. So we've got a lot of people involved in it that are trying to help the Hagel family. So I've got a friend from Chicago. Her name is Gail Baldwin. She is a retired Air American Airlines pilot. She's put together all of this stuff to um, help get it out there about uh, Mesa's struggle. And so we're um, going to have a tent. We have a tent at. Well, Sarah Hagel has a, a store, and she's she's going to be at the Colt Starting Clinic. Well, she won't be, but um, the tent will be there, and she sells a lot of horse gear. And so, and then Gail Baldwin will have her scarves there. And then we have another person who makes um, beautiful blankets. Leave from. Um, she's from also from Illinois. They're they're all coming out to um, put together all these things for sale, and then they're going to you know, donate part of the proceeds to Sarah and Mesa. When and where it's, is so, this horse sale going to be so happening? So the clinic is this weekend, starting Thursday, June 1st, through Sunday the 4th. And then um, the the auction for the saddle will be at King's in July. And I'm not sure the dates of that. July 9th and 10th, I think, are the dates of that. So, and then the colt that we're, we're all also... Uh, auctioning it off. Well, I'm not quite sure if we're going to privately sell the horse, but we have a two-year-old filly that was been donated by a friend of ours. Oh wow! Who's being started at the clinic by another friend of ours, Joel Connor, and they're going to um, 
privately sell her or auction her. I'm not sure what we're going to do yet, but that the proceeds from that filly are going to go to Mesa. So it'll be it's going to be a, a, a fun gathering and you know in honor of Mesa to try and help her um, recover from this. It's a you know very she was a fledgling gear maker herself. She made purses, beautiful purses, and she was learning how to. She made boots, cowboy boots. Uh, um, she had a whole shop set up, and she was doing that, and just got stopped in her tracks. And this is one of those health things that just happens yeah. for no, yeah, reason. no reason. Nobody, yeah, um, yeah. My cousin, we lost my cousin due to something like that. Yeah, um, very. Where it just—it's a fluke thing every now and then. Yes. Now, uh, one more time, just so folks understand and know. Uh, the saddle made by Wolfgang Fay and, and Fritz, Fritz Riedel, but it's also Riedel. it's also been contributed to by many silversmiths. Mm -hmm. uh, it, now, are these silversmiths from the area, or are these national? They're national. National Mostly, silversmiths. Yeah. Wow. There's eight of them, and then the Ben Swanky, who who made the tree for the saddle, um, is from B Billings. And he donated the tree, and it's called a Ray Hunt tree. So, uh, and then the the silversmiths. There's a whole list of them: John Mincer, Scott Hardy, Bo Compton, Jeremiah Watt, Nevada Miller, Gordon Andres, Todd Hansen, and Tina Weber made the um, stirrups. And the Velas family from California made the horn cap. So it's a beautiful saddle. I mean, it's just exquisite. So, um, like I said, whoever has the opportunity to purchase it it'll be once in a lifetime you know and the saddle makers here in Sheridan are actually uh, uh, Sarah's father um, Bob Douglas was a saddle maker too Bob Douglas and he he did beautiful saddles so and he's still here he and Lee still live here and um, they they and he and Bob actually made beautiful purses that were um, available to purchase at Jackalope Ranch but um, it it's it's quite the art form to make a saddle. I don't even know how they can manage it because so many pieces. And, yeah, and my father got a saddle made. Uh, I can't remember the individual who made it for him, but uh, we would stop in and just see it slowly progressing along. And I was pretty young, nine or ten, but uh, you know, as a kid, I didn't realize that there were layers oh. upon layers to this oh, saddle. Yeah, uh, and and. That's when I really learned how important these things are. Yeah. It's not uh, just about keeping your butt in the seat. Yeah, no. Taking care of your animal as well. Well, the fit of the saddle. That's why the there's tree makers that make the and and Ben Swanky also makes saddles. But the the fit of the tree, you know, because it's wood. Yeah. And then they cover it. Um, it has to definitely. There's different angles of the bars that they have to for either wider or to get more together for narrower horses. I mean, it's really an art form, the saddle making. It truly is. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately, it's not as widely uh, done nowadays uh, as it was in the past. Well, I don't know. There's a lot. It's amazing how many really? saddle makers there are. Yep. And then, uh, and and do beautiful work there uh, we have we have jim jackson at the bradford britain you know he's he's an amazing artist i mean he does and he made a beautiful saddle that's on display at the brinton but i mean that there are we know a lot of saddle makers that are um doing it and at the leather show there was quite a few saddles you know that were on display that were young people making saddles it was it was really 
a fun thing to see at the leather show. I don't know if you got to go there, but it was. Uh, so like the generation. It's a whole new group of people that are doing it. I think it was kind of lost for a while. Yeah. And then it's there's a, a whole new movement for um, custom-made saddles, bridles, horse gear, people gear, shaps, you know, hats. The custom-made hats are just it's amazing how many people are are doing it now and and one thing that i've noticed is uh like the millennial millennials and and younger generation are really looking back to the original craftsmanship looking back to the way things used to be done before yeah. machining and tooling they want to do things by hand yeah. which i think is absolutely fascinating because it's not just Leatherwork and saddles. Right. It's woodworking. Yeah. It's metal. It, it's so many different crafts that these individuals, uh, you know, through online sharing, yep, uh, they're doing amazing things. Yeah, it, it, it's good to have. You know, there's so many teachers out there. That's what's important. That there's people that will teach the younger generation to do all these things. And that's uh, the leather show. They you know they had classes there, so people could learn how to do all of the different styles of leather work and and silver works you know engraving there's a whole school in kansas grs it's called in it and they teach people how to engrave silver so i mean it the the movement is really exciting i mean i'm, I'm glad that there are people doing it i wish i would have taken it <laughs> me on too. When I was, me too but of course uh when i think about working with leather you know i worked with leather a little bit when mm -hmm. i was younger mm -hmm. but uh you know if you don't have a spot for it you just yeah. kind of fall out of it. Yep. And unfortunately, it's a skill. you got to stay on top of it if you want to mm -hmm. get any better. That's true. Uh, so when it comes to, to that, I kind of laid it off to the side. But it's something that I always was kind of fascinated with. Yep. And, and it all began going down to that saddle maker yep. and just seeing the slow progression and learning how complicated these things really are. Yep. And then to take that and make it a work of art at the mm -hmm. same time. And we live in the most amazing group place where there are oh, yeah. so many artists, different of all different kinds of different artists. I mean, you know, painters, people that draw. I mean, I mean, we live in an amazing place with the and the saddle makers and the silversmiths. And I mean, I just and people love to come here. I know we have lots of people that are coming to the clinic. When some Mississippi, Canada. I mean, there are people coming from all over to come to the clinic which is really fun. It's fun to meet all these new people that are bringing their horses and, you know, learning how to handle them. And uh, it's just as, it, uh, I'm, I'm always fascinated by watching the horses too. They are incredible animals. I mean, yeah. we're, we're so blessed to even have them. And um, I feel very fortunate to live here. I mean, I'm so glad I've been here since 93. And I just love this place. It is amazing. Uh, I can say that the the legacy of the cowboy yep. is is certainly in in great hands yep. in this area. Well, it's, my husband is a cowboy. He loves the term cowboy, and he does not like it when somebody uses the word derogatorily. You know, he yeah. just, he's like, mm -mm, nope. I I'm a he's a. I mean, he does clinics, but he is he loves the cowboy life and yeah. the, and the idea of the cowboy. So. Yeah, there's value to that. Definitely. There's values Definitely. to that. Why don't you tell me one more time uh, where and when this saddle is going to be auctioned off so people can make sure that they grab their checkbook and okay. head on down. So the saddle will be at King's. It'll be on display. It's going to be on display at our 
at the clinic, and then they're going to take it down to King's, and it'll be on display there. And then the auction, I'm pretty sure, is um, July 8th and 9th. And, and there is a Friends of Mesa website that you can go on and you can bid online. So um, the Friends of Mesa is the website, and then there's also a GoFundMe page for that, for her specifically. But um, it'll be a um, an interesting uh, competition for the saddle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because my husband said, oh, I want it. I'm like, yeah. oh, well, you've got enough. You have enough saddle. He's got one more thing yeah. he wants to put in that <laughs> like, shed. Yeah, <laughs> there's, always, there's always room for one more. Well, and it is, you know, to see the saddles when they're first made, they're so beautiful. You just go, oh, I'm just going to put that in the living room. No, no, no. My husband uses every saddle he's ever had made. So it's very, um, I'm so glad that people are interested in this. Yeah. Mary, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Thank it you. was an absolute pleasure meeting thank you. Thank you. Likewise. All right, folks. When we come back, we're going to speak with the Jim Getchell Museum. Stick with us. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE at 103.9 FM. Sheridan. marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Dog and Cat Shelter is receiving these funds per random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Saturday, June 17th at KC Wyoming. The rodeo starts at 2 p.m. with exciting saddle bronc and bareback riding competitions leading up to the street dance and party with Reckless Kelly, Ned Ledoux, and Bren Hill. Admission is $30 for both the rodeo and the dance. Proceeds benefit college and high school rodeo scholarships and Make-A-Wish Wyoming. Chris Ledoux Day, Saturday, June 17th at KC Wyoming. Sponsored in part by Sheridan Media. This is Ken here at Prime Rate Motors, where we understand everybody's situation is different. We recently had a customer that needed to keep his ranch truck, not traded in. What he needed was a car for town. After visiting with him, we discovered that what he did have was an extra stock trailer. We were able to take that trailer in as a trade-in and got him a nice economy car that was good on gas and easy to park downtown. Stop in. Let's work something out. Here at Prime Rate Motors, the Super Trailer Store, or PrimeRateMotors.com. When you hear the name Noah's Auto Glass, what do you think of? Do you realize that we can service more than just passenger vehicles? Hi, this is Cindy. Here at Novus, we can repair and replace glass in semi-trucks, farm equipment, construction equipment, RVs, and classic vehicles. We can even come to you. If your restoration project has gotten overwhelming, we can help get you over the top. Stop in or call today to make an appointment. Novus Auto Glass, 347 North Main, 672-0139. The Sportsman's Warehouse Father's Day Sale starts this Friday. Look for the flyer in this week's Country Bounty where you'll see deals Dad will love. In fact, you'll see 12 pages of savings on outdoor gear, hunting, shooting, fishing, camping, hiking, trail running, boating, outdoor cooking, clothing, and footwear. I think that covers it. There's no stone unturned for Dad at Sportsman's Warehouse where they always guarantee lowest prices 
or they'll beat it. Open seven days a week on Brundage Lane in Sheridan. Radio is a great career. Sheridan Media employs a number of people in various capacities, including advertising sales, news, promotions, business administration, and engineering. If you or your organization would like to know if there's a job opening at Sheridan Media, send your mailing address request to Bob Grammons, General Manager, Sheridan Media. P.O. Box 5086, Sheridan, Wyoming, 82801. We'll send a notice to your organization or group every time there's a full-time job opening. Sheridan Media is an equal opportunity employer. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse, proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. For the second part of our show this morning, I am joined by the executive director of the Jim Getchell Museum, Sylvia Bruner, and museum educator Jennifer Romanowski. Good morning, ladies, and thank you for making the drive to come all the way over here to Sheridan. Yeah, thank you for having us. The drive was pretty fun. Oh, it's it. You and I were talking about uh, yellow flowers. <laughs> for me, it's the green. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've driven over here enough now that June is usually my favorite month oh, yeah. because once we you get to the end of the june and it, it starts to turn yeah. it's just heartbreaking yeah. to watch so I, I i'm kind of in my prime time of year right now did you ever watch that old movie i'm sure you did because you're a movie buff um brigadoon I didn't. Is like, it's not the greatest, but it's still a good one. It's been years since I've seen it, but what I remember is like a village that only kind of exists once in a while, and it, it's every hundred years. It's got Gene Ireland? Kelly. Yeah, so Some, it's all really no Scottish, Scotland. Okay, yeah. sorry, Ireland. Yeah, green and beautiful, and that's what that's what this green season feels like to me in Wyoming. It's like that mystical. Here it is. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Gone. Yep. You got to be here, or you yeah. never believe that it was here in the first place, USA. right? Yeah. All right. Now, Sylvia, since the last time you were on, we discussed uh, the museum being nominated for the Institute for Museum and Library Services 2023 National Medal for Museum <laughs> and Library Service. That's a mouthful. Whew, yes. <laughs> I got through it though. Now, what has developed since we last spoke? We won. You won. We won. You won. <laughs> Out of the 15 finalists for one of four. How amazing is this? Super. Uh, Very amazing. Now, for those who may not know, this is a huge national competition. <laughs> this is involving big, big, high-budget museums as it, well, it right? It can, and it did, yes. Um, you know, it's it's something that I've been aware of for years. You know, IMLS, the Institute for Museum and Library Service, that's the national branch that distributes a lot of grant monies, federal funds to libraries, museums across the nation. They also set that standard in the bar. So it's an organization which everybody kind of looks to. I can't say that I ever, ever saw us or thought of us winning this award from them because I just had that, you know, mindset that, well, that's what like really big places like the Metropolitan Art Museum, right, can, right. you know, um, didn't even. I don't have the budget that. to win this, right? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> but apparently budget isn't the thing that defines who you are. And we should know that, right? At right. heart, we should. But um, it is incredibly affirming mm -hmm. to know that, <clears throat> excuse me, our peers in the museum world are seeing what we're doing and they're, they're valuing it too. Yeah. It's very validating for all the work that you ladies have done over there. Because Sylvia, it wasn't always like this, was it? Well... Yeah, the museum's been through some stuff. Jen and I were through it together. Jen's been there for 14 years. Just about. Yep. 
So we've got a long history on our end. And, you know, the museum opened in 1957. So what kind of ups and downs it has experienced before we were there, I don't know, you know, fully. But I know that funding has always been, you know, the potential for an issue. I think in the 1980s, the county took a real dive. That meant the museum took a dive. That's when they instituted an admission fee. You can kind of see through documents how past boards and directors have tried to work with how life changes to keep the museum successful. So I definitely have to and want to give the appropriate kudos to the people that came before us. Yeah. Because the museum is here. That's allowed us to be here, too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you need a big bucket when the boat's going down, right? Yeah. Uh, and plug one hole and another one shows up. Yeah. That's uh, just kind of the way life is. But since you've taken over, it's really turned around. It feels like it. It does. Um, good leadership for the most part. Good communication and transparency is, I think, important for any nonprofit and museum. Uh, Sylvia is very humble, so thank you, Jen, for jumping You're in on this. One. You guys have worked really because hard, we were and you in deserve the trenches it. Together. That's right. We really and were. there was some crying. There was some frustration. There was some anger. But at the end of the day, if we hadn't rallied under her leadership, under our board's leadership, and specifically the community's leadership, because the community was there with us. Us yeah. as well, um, helping us get through some of those valleys. Absolutely. You know, when I first got to Buffalo, my first job at a, going back to college, kind of hitting my reset button, right. I was standing in front of the statue of Nate, Nate Champion and admiring it. And uh, uh, for those who know Buffalo, a little guy by the name of Vinny walked up and, and said, hey, do you know who that is? And I said, no. And he gave me a quick history lesson. And he said, you should go in that museum. He said, you can learn all about this area in that museum. And that was the day I met you. Uh, and awesome. you gave me a free tour because I was a reporter in town. Yeah. And uh, I got to walk through and kind of learn a little bit about Johnson County and the history of Buffalo and some of the crazy events <laughs> that have taken place yep. in a small town mm -hmm. in Wyoming. Now, what is it about the Jim Getchall Museum that does make it so special? Um, I'm sure there's different opinions. Mine personally is I think it's truly the legacy of Jim Getchall. I have heard so many amazing stories about who he was as just a wonderful human being, that he valued people of all races, creeds, cultures, and he was welcoming and open during a time period when that might not have been the norm, you know, and to have an example like him and that to be remembered for that, I think speaks so well of who he was as a person. And I think the museum is kind of what what we wanted to do is to continue that kind of legacy, that inclusivity, that welcoming. Um, everybody has a history. Everybody has a story to be valued. And the other thing that I think goes hand in hand with it, but is more of the like nitty gritty of work, is the transparency and honesty. That is huge to us. Uh, kind of became a really big deal to us when everything went to hell in a handbasket with our yeah. funding and you know we realized things weren't being done appropriately and i think a big part of why our community stayed with us was because we did share this is what's happened and here's what we're doing so we became very honest and transparent about it um but i think that also goes deeper into like labeling 
you know, you go through a museum, you expect that what is being presented is honest and true. That is a part of what we are tasked with doing. So when we find out that something we've got out there isn't accurate, we fix it. It's that simple. Absolutely. Uh, and, and things happen. Mm-hmm. But the ability to correct oneself is always with a little bit of humility. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I'm a reporter, so I know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, you know. But this is the fun thing, I think, about studying history. New things become available. Yeah. Um, you know, you maybe develop access to something. Somebody found it in their attic. It becomes publicly available, whatever it might be. So you have to keep your mind open to what you do as a fact 10 years ago might be different now because there's more information available that's right that makes it fun things change Mm -hmm. we we look at something from a different point of view or we learn that maybe the textbooks have been wrong all this time Mm -hmm. the ability to just kind of adapt and overcome those challenges huge especially for a museum because like you said i'm one of those guys who walks through and i read the plaques when i see a name spelled in a museum that's how you spell the name (laughs) right And I think part of the reason is that we've become even more collaborative just in the past probably five, six years than we ever have been before. I mean, I think some of our newer exhibits can testify to that collaboration. Um, Our just our brand new D. Michael Thomas art exhibition. You know, um, he worked with us on like the art pieces and how we can, uh, how we wanted it displayed and whatnot. When we did our Jesse Weiniger exhibit, we did like a social media post outreach to for any private donors who had art pieces in their private collections, and that's how we were able to gather about. 23, 24 pieces of his art on display for majority of them for the very first time. And all the Beautiful. photos. And yeah. talking Family to info. some of his descendants, same with uh, Verna Keys, Keys and uh, talking to some of her descendants. And then, of course, one of my current favorites is our swimming pool. You know, we just did social media posts on some of the pages that we know of online, just like, hey, could you share your memories of swimming in Wyoming's largest outdoor pool? And I mean, we could have done a little booklet to go along with the exhibition with some of those memories that people have shared with us. So I I think that is part of the reason the museum has gotten as far as we did with this medal is because we certainly not only share the history with the community, but we're letting the community influence and shape their history through their collaboration, through our exhibits and publications and whatnot. Absolutely. Sharing their history. I got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to have more with the Jim Getchell Museum when we return. Stay with us. You're listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE, 103.9 FM. Share it. Your business deserves a strong partner. First Federal Bank and Trust provides cash management services to help your business collect, disperse and manage funds. Whether you need merchant services or positive pay fraud protection, our team will find the tools that best support your business. Contact a cash management officer today by visiting efirstfederal.bank. First Federal Bank and Trust is your partner in success. Member FDIC.
your house at least. They'll buy your home for cash, no matter what it looks like or what condition it is in. You don't have to do a thing besides contact them. No cleaning, no repairs, no having to leave for showings or make everything just right. And best of all, no realtor or commission fees. Confidential, fast, friendly, and they'll make you an offer on any home. Learn more at yorenovation.com or find them on Facebook. Will you be a winner in our $2,000 gift card giveaway at the Sheridan Commercial Company? Hi, Kurt Smith here. Today through Friday, June 2nd, we're giving away $200 in gift cards each day for 10 days. So come in today and register. In fact, you can come in every day and register. No purchase necessary. There are lots of chances to win. You could be part of the $2,000 gift card giveaway. Sign up today. Thanks from the Sheridan Commercial Company. We appreciate your business. Open seven days a week. In this day and age, everyone's looking for a great value deal. Well, look no further than your locally owned McDonald's. The $3.50 value deal is available at your McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Choose from a McDouble, hot and spicy, or six-piece chicken McNuggets, plus a small fry for $3.50. Now that is the value. Don't forget to download the McDonald's app for even more great deals. Look no further for a great value deal than your locally owned McDonald's in Sheridan, Buffalo, and Gillette. Are you excited about summer in the Bighorns, or are you a little worried about wildlife encounters? Take the Wildlife Encounters for Dummies quiz, and let's see if you'll survive your next encounter. Presented by Mandy Koltiska with Century 21 BHJ Realty. Here's a quick example for you. Let's say you're peacefully camping when a group of mischievous raccoons tries to steal your food. Do you A, invite them over and offer them a beer? B, throw food over at the campers in the adjacent camp spot, hoping they'll follow it? Or C, start fishing and show them how to bait a hook? Time's up. The correct answer is, uh, I guess you'll have to take the quiz to find out. Wildlife Encounters for Dummies. Will you survive your next encounter? Sponsored by Mandy Koltiska with Century 21 BHJ Realty. Remember, it's all fun and games until a drunked-out bear hits up your campsite. Stay safe out there. Take the quiz for a chance to win amazing prizes at SheridanMedia.com. Whether you're planting a tree or digging a foundation, contact One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Call two business days before you dig. It's free and required by law. Repairs to utilities can be expensive. Cutting a gas line or electrical line can be deadly. No matter if it's weekend yard work or major construction, call One Call of Wyoming at 1-800-849-2476 or 811. Sponsored by Public Service Commission, Wyoming Association of Broadcasters in this station. Good morning and welcome back to Public Pulse. Proudly brought to you by our friends out there at First Federal Bank and Trust. I'm Floyd Whiting. This morning, I'm speaking with the executive director of the Jim Ketchell Museum in Buffalo, Sylvia Bruner, and the museum's educator. Jennifer Romanowski. Now, before the break, we were discussing the Jim Getchell Museum's recent win of the Institute for Museum and Library Services 2023 National Medal for the Museum and Library Service. If you want to check out the award-winning museum, there's plenty going on. Uh, and we just before the break, we started talking about the D. Michael Thomas, a retrospective mm-hmm. exhibition. Now, y- you basically redesigned an entire section of the museum to put these sculptures on display. I've seen photos. I haven't been down there myself. But this is beautiful. 
I mean, it really gorgeous. puts him on the forefront, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, the credit for this really goes to Kelsey. Absolutely. She, a, a talented artist. Yep. She had a vision for what she wanted this to look like, and I think we got there. Um, and we just, Jen and I tried to assist, basically. Like, <laughs> just, you, you tell us what we're doing, and we will we will show up with hammers or whatever, and we will try and get it done. But she had this in her mind's eye from the word go. Mm-hmm. And I think it really highlights how beautiful Mike's work is, how detailed his pieces are. And what I think is really interesting, too, is because he brought us his very, very first pieces that he ever did in his life. Wow. Yeah. I think the wow. earliest is 1981 or two. Oh, 76, I think. Holy really cow. College. Yeah. And you can just see this progression of his work and his talent, um, you know, his topic, his themes, and what obviously what means something to him and comes out in his art has always been there. But there's a massive growth, just like the artist. <laughs> right, right. And uh, he will readily admit that, too. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jen, tell me, what are the majority of these sculptures really depicting? Um, obviously, Western life. Mike is very heavily influenced by what he appreciates and respects. Um, and I remember once chatting with him a long time ago when we, we were talking about his sculptures. And because shortly after I started at the museum in the summer of 2009 was shortly after the installation of the Nate Champion statue outside. So I Beautiful statue. I've, I've known of Mike's work since the very beginning that I started at the museum. And what really blows my mind is he does not sketch, period. He's not a sketcher. And I said, well, that's interesting. How, how, does, how does one sculpt when one does not sketch? And he says he has like this old school Pinterest board, except it's just copies and photocopies and books and drawings and he pastes them all around his studio he visualizes it he uh, looks at them and then he just starts molding with the clay while he's surrounded by these influences these images and he just keeps tweaking at it until he finally ends up with the ultimate result and as someone who is definitely not as artistic as him and knowing that he kind of skips you know, quite frankly, a pivotal step in most sculptures. I mean, he doesn't do geometry, you know, symmetry. He just does it organically. He just creates it. That's yeah, just and it's, natural it's talent, phenomenal. right? And so we were just really excited because he's he's local. Um, he's been a wonderful uh, patron of the museum as well. Mm-hmm. And the fact that so much of his artwork is scattered around our region. Yeah. It's just very timely sylvia how long is this going to be on display so people can jump over there two years so So this is going to be up for a while yep yep we do try to have temporary exhibits up for a year or two and this one absolutely deserves to be up for the maximum time and mike has agreed to lend us those items for a two-year time period so people can see it for till what 2025 spring of 2025 before we move on to the next exhibit now, one thing that I've noticed about uh, you folks out there at the Jim Getchell Museum, you use your space better than most individuals that I know. Um, we have you to. have you really do. It's it's not a it's not a huge building at all. Yeah. But you utilize this space so well, you can turn a corner and feel like you're in a completely yeah. different building. Uh, something that you've done very. Where is this exhibit actually set in the building? 
It's, so it's actually at the end of your tour, which is great because that's kind of chronologically as you go through the museum, you start with the oldest and you work your way to more modern. Uh, but there's one room. It's smaller than most galleries, to be honest. But that has kind of been designated for a number of years as our change in exhibits gallery. So it is physically on the west side of the original museum building, but it's in the 1998 edition. This all makes sense in my head, but it's really <laughs> Yeah, no, because, no, no, it's great. You know, you've got the Carnegie, 1909 Carnegie Library is our front entrance where the offices are, and then you have the 1957 museum proper brick building, and then you have a 1998 edition, and then you have a 2006 link, and then you have the carriage house edition, so it's all kind of cobbled together, but fortunately, they're all together, and you can start in one, work your way all the way through, and you end up exiting through the gift store where you can spend your money. <laughs> so you'd never have to leave the heat or the air, air conditioning. conditioning. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That is what makes it ADA compliant and accessible as well, so people can get in and out. Now, real quick, I was going to go into programming, but I've only got about two and a half minutes left. Can we talk about the Carnegie? Let's talk about the okay. Carnegie. So the Carnegie Library building, I brought some brochures to share with you, too. You know, it's this beautiful 1909 Carnegie Library. And one of the cool things, I think, about the Carnegie Foundation at the time, they required that um, communities use local work and local supplies when they gave funding for a Carnegie Library. So there were requirements with this money, you know, had to be free and open to all, etc. What makes it beautiful is the building materials, but that's also what makes it difficult to care for in some ways. It's sandstone and limestone, and that does tend to wear. We're just dealing with a lot of weathering issues and some improper care in the past using a mortar mix that offered no flexibility, for instance. So when the building suffers any kind of tremor from the road right next to it, things of that nature, it comes out by cracking in the big blocks of sandstone. So we're dealing with some accelerated damage over the last 10, 15 years. And now that we've identified that, we need to fix it. So we're looking at around $600,000 worth of work, which is about twice our annual operating budget. But I'm really optimistic because, one, we have great support from our county commissioners. They've already set aside at least $150,000 to go towards this. They've been knocking off maintenance projects like a new roof, insulation, things of that nature. So they're working on it. We're working on it. And we currently have an amazing opportunity, a $30,000 match from a private anonymous donor. So until August 31st, they will match up to $30,000 dollar for dollar of every donation. And that is specifically for that building. Can't be used anywhere else by anybody else. How do I make a donation? We make it as easy as we can. I will take your money personally. <laughs> you can go to the museum website and donate. You can send a check, PO Box 596, or better yet, stop by the museum check it out, see the new exhibit, and leave some money. And so if I make a, a let's say, a $5,000 donation, tax that's going to get matched? Yes, sir. Wow. And it is tax deductible in the exact same way as if you were donating to a nonprofit. Um, as a county entity, we can give you the same kind of tax write-off, too. So keep that in mind. It helps. Sylvia, Jen, thank you both so much for making that drive over here this morning. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Love having you guys. You guys are great. All right. You've been listening to Public Pulse on 930 KROE and 103.9 FM. Sheridan.
First Federal Bank and Trust would like to recognize this week's winner of $1,000 in cash and a $1,000 marketing donation match from Sheridan Media. As part of their community commitment, the Sheridan Dog and Cat Shelter is receiving these funds for random drawing. We're giving $1,000 away every week to a qualified nonprofit organization. Next week, it could be your nonprofit. Visit our website, efirstfederal.bank, for details. First Federal Bank and Trust and Sheridan Media present Community Commitment. Member FDIC. Have you heard? Sheridan's own Vacutech is growing and now they are hiring part-time weekend workers. Open positions include general labor, machine operators, craters, and more. Vacutech is offering weekend premium pay and a $2,000 sign-on bonus. This is a perfect opportunity to make extra money or even make a great living while working weekends and enjoying the week off. For more information and to apply, visit Vacutech's Open Opportunities page on their website at vacutechllc.com. Okay, so I got this smartwatch that actually tells me that it's time to drink water. Our ancestors crossed the wilderness in covered wagons without water reminder sundials. How did they not die of thirst? Well, if you're looking for water, all you have to do is call 307 Wildcat Well Service in Eureka. They drill a hole in the ground and deliver cool, clear water. So here's your reminder. You need water. Contact 307 Wildcat Well Service today, and you too will have cool, clear water. Get ready for summer with CMB Supply. We have your yard care essentials in stock and ready to go. Grass seed, John Deere mowing equipment, rakes, shovels, garden supplies, bird feeders, and more. Also get your free gift with any $20 purchase. Come in to visit us at CMB Supply. We're on Heartland Drive and we're open Monday to Friday from 7.30 a.m. till 6 p.m. And then on Saturday, we're open from 8 a.m. to 3 p.m. It is critical we keep AM radio in all cars and all trucks. Hey, Sean Hannity here. More than 80 million Americans depend on AM radio for news, traffic, weather, sports, and a community connection, as well as news information and, yes, opinion. It is the backbone of the emergency alert system, and that keeps us safe in dangerous times because when cell and Internet services are down, well, this free emergency service might be your only lifeline. Now, text AM to the number 52. 886. Text AM to 52886. Tell Congress that we need AM radio in our cars. Text AM to 52886 today. Standard message and data rates apply. From Billings to Buffalo, this is the News Talk Station, FM 103.9 and 930 AM KROE. 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 Sheridan, broadcasting from the Wyoming Corporate Office Studio. K-R-O-B.